Hey everybody, before we jump into the podcast, I wanted to let you know we have an official sponsor now. Bloody Mary is officially sponsored by Horror Pack, which is a monthly horror movie subscription. For a low fee, they'll send you a box of horror movies every month that you get to keep. Isn't that cool? Uh, and if you use the special code on our website, you get $3 off your subscription and also money goes to support Bloody Mary. How cool is that? Uh, also, this month we're going to have a special giveaway from Horror Pack. Uh, go to KristenRyanComedy.com on the contact form and tell us what your favorite horror movie is, and you might be the winner that wins a box of horror movies. Again, that's KristenRyanComedy.com for the link for your discounted subscription to Horror Pack. And also, don't forget the contact form to submit for the giveaway this month, and you could be the winner. Here's the podcast. Welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about sexuality, horror movies, and feminism. I'm your host, Chicago comic Kristen Ryan, and today we have with us Mary Jordan, who is also a Chicago comic by way of Memphis. Hello, Mary. Hello. It's very nice to be here with you. Yeah. I'm excited to have Mary on the podcast today. Uh, she is one of the first comics in Chicago that I saw before I even started doing comedy, and I was like, she's so fucking funny. So I'm super pumped to have her on today. Uh, yes, thank you, because uh, uh, you must, you caught, because you were talking about you saw me at a 42 by 42 show. Yes. Which I did stand up for a long time in Memphis, and then I moved to Chicago about seven years ago, and was really only performing very kind of intermittently. So the fact that you saw me anywhere <laughs> at all during <laughs> that time period is pretty amazing. <laughs> I but did. I'm glad that you did. And that you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So, but now, now I am back doing comedy. I mean, the amount that you should be doing it if you actually want to get shows and get better and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, Mary had a brief hiatus, uh, but you were, you had some pretty big creds, right? Like you were the funniest person in Memphis? Uh, yes, I went, I think that was like 2006, uh, that uh, I did. I won. I won a, that's an annual contest. I'm pretty sure that they're still doing that. Yeah, they do that every no year. No big deal. Yeah. yeah. Just... No big. No big deal. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was at the time. The Memphis comedy scene was much smaller uh, than it is now. So uh, you know, there were a couple. You know, when some bigger name people would come through, there weren't a ton of comics that would have you know the time or experience for that sort of thing. So I got to open. Uh, like I opened for Maria Bamford when I was really young. Oh, that's awesome. Before, like I, she had just done like the Comedy Central special. That was pretty much all she had done at that point. And uh, Todd Berry, I, I opened for him one time. Uh, not that I was particularly great <laughs> on any of these shows. Uh, Don't minimize yourself. You're hilarious. I, well, yes, I'm. <laughs> I feel confident in saying that now. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not then. And uh, so, yeah, I thought I was great. And I moved here. <laughs> yeah. We're excited to have you here. 
Uh, so Mary, I'm curious, what is the first horror movie you remember seeing when you were little? Well, actually, I didn't, I didn't watch horror movies when I was little. My family is not a horror movie family. Like, I don't think, I, I have no memory of seeing my parents ever watch a horror movie mm-hmm. or talk about them or anything. Um, the f- it's, not, it's not a very exciting answer, but the first one that I can remember seeing was my uncle took me to see in the theater uh, this movie, Mimic. I don't know if you mm, remember that remember at all. That. It's uh, Mira Sorvino is, is the star, uh, and it's about genetically modified cockroaches that turn <laughs> into monsters and are lurking in the New York City subways. Very probable. Which is that? It's much better than that description. It's, it was the first uh, American movie that uh, Guillermo del Toro oh, directed. I so with Guillermo del Toro, I love his Spanish language films more than any movies like that I see a lot of. His English language films, man, they're real awful. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that much of his work, but. Uh, I haven't seen any of his Spanish language, but yeah, I think the only other things that I've really seen have been like uh, Blade Two. Ooh, <laughs> I believe I believe it was in uh, the Hellboy films, oh. which are which are okay. I actually haven't watched those. The one that I was specifically thinking of was Don't Go in the Basement with uh, Tom or Katie. What's her name? Tom Cruise's ex-wife. Oh, Katie Holmes? Katie Holmes, yeah. I'm not familiar with that one at all. It was so bad that a teenager stood up in the middle of the movie and screamed, this movie sucks, y'all, and everyone (laughs) applauded her. (laughs) That's how bad that was. Uh, Was your family, like, religious at all, or or No. No, they were just, they were just wimpy. (laughs) Honestly, it's... Is the real answer to, the, to that question? Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, so, given that you didn't really have a lot of experience with your family, how do you feel about horror as a genre now? Uh, as a genre, I I came to it from the approach of I started watching horror movies when I got really into film in general. Mm. So I watched a lot of like the classic uh, kind of stuff and the more like. We're going to talk about the flight. Like, I got really into David Cronenberg at one point, uh, you know. So, for me, I am very easily scared. Mm. So, it ta- I really have to build myself up to see a horror movie and kind of, kind of know what I'm, what I'm getting into uh, ahead of time. Um, but just, I, th- I feel like horror has, uses metaphor so much more it doesn't more obviously than a lot of other genres but I think that's good I think people need that Mm -hmm. in the art that they consume I think it I think it's more accessible than a lot of other genres Mm -hmm. that way yeah I definitely agree like sci-fi and horror definitely make use of the metaphor much stronger than most genres Mm mm-hmm I don't like that most horror movies never have to have a love story. I feel like every goddamn movie has to have a love story. <laughs> right. Yes. And that's another thing that I like about horror movies is I love I love a horror movie with just a terrible ending. <laughs> just a horribly depressing <laughs> ending. Which brings us to Mary's pick. <laughs> Uh, for us to watch and discuss, Mary chose The Fly, David Cronenberg's version, mm-hmm. and uh, it's the tale of a scientist that gets too wrapped up in his own work 
and sacrifices his own well-being, transforming himself into a horrendous creature and, uh, you know, taking his girlfriend along for the ride as it progresses. Mm -hmm. All in the name of science. Uh, so, Mary, what made you choose the fly? Uh, well, initially, uh, what made me, what made, it was, like, like I said, I, I really like Cronenberg, so he was the first director that I kind of thought of, of, of a pick. And then I chose the fly because the first thing that I remembered about it that made me relate so much to it is... I never, ever want to get pregnant and have children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you feel that way, this movie will completely reinforce that belief that you are correct and that is the right choice. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That, uh, yeah, we can jump into it. That abortion scene, man, is so gross. It is. <laughs> well, then you figure, realize it's a dream, but also... It's I did like the way that the movie painted abortion like yeah this is you sometimes you just need an abortion <laughs> yes yeah that was that was a, an interesting aspect of it where uh, you know the, the her ex-boyfriend the Stathis character mm -hmm. tries to give her putt for about 10 seconds yeah <laughs> and then she is very adamant uh, about wanting and and yeah they just kind of go for it and you know, it's an extreme circumstance, but at the same time, it is treated a little more progressively mm -hmm. than in a lot of circumstances, I think. Yeah. Fun fact, during that scene, did you know that David Cronenberg is the guy to kill? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, uh, I did. I watched the movies on Amazon, and it'll pop up trivia, and it was mm -hmm. like, that's David Cronenberg. <laughs> I was like, thank you, Amazon. I, <laughs> I love the fact that he wrote that and was like, that, I want to play that Write me into that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Should we go into more detail about what happens in that scene? I mean, sure. It just, uh, if you're not, if you haven't seen the film or or you or you don't recall, basically what happens in that that's it, which we said is a dream is she's getting an abortion because she's been impregnated by Brendel Fly with his child. Brendel Fly. <laughs> and. Basically, what happens in the abortion scene is she delivers essentially a larva. Ugh, yeah, it was really gross. Yeah, it's. It looked about maybe like two feet long. Yes. And wiggly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely makes you not want to have a baby. No. Ever. Also, the movie Alien did that for me. Too. Yes, it's definitely. Like, no, no babies. Yeah, you know, I just. Um... Sometimes I wonder if there's something broken within me because, like, the maternal instinct has, like, never been there. Me either. And, like, the thought of giving birth is just so <laughs> gross. And when I see a pregnant woman, I'm always like, ew. <laughs> I, I know. I always feel so bad for them. I'm like, I know you just feel terrible all the time and, like, your body is weird and mm -hmm. you know that you're going to have to do this. And they're all, they're, they're really happy about it, though, usually, so I guess, I guess it's fine. Are they, or are they lying <laughs> to perpetrate the myth that we should be moms? <laughs> Just found a new angle on my podcast. <laughs> you know, that whole anti-mom angle. Yeah, I want cash in. <laughs> so... Let's talk about Gina Davis's character, who is Veronica Quaith, which that last name just makes me giggle so much. <laughs> I'm a 36-year-old woman, and anything even near Queef makes me giggle, so. It's good stuff. It is great. Um, yeah, so Gina Davis plays Veronica, the uh, 
the high-level science reporter who works for Particle Magazine. Yes. <laughs> Which, when she said that, I giggled. I was like, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like that is a, a very common character trope for women to be given to get close to a male main character is like, you're a reporter. Well, yeah, that's definitely something that's gone back for, I mean, Lois Lane yeah. and Superman. I mean, that's a And Vicki Bale and, and Batman. Batman. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the 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 Snoopy the Snoopy uh, lady reporter character mm-hmm. is definitely an an archetype. Um, yeah, I just thought about that. Now it feels like it's giving um, validation for these women to just like completely lose themselves in these men and their projects. Well, it's also one of the the ways for as as a story point to bring a high-level male character to even interact with a female character. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, typically, that would be the secretary, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's not Gina Davis isn't another scientist that he's trying to collaborate with, you know? Yeah, that's really true. So, yeah, Gina Davis's character kind of irritated me a little bit. Because <laughs> she is, she's a li- she's back and forth. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. In, in that in, she does stand up for herself at certain moments, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know, her her whole falling in love with uh, Jeff Goldblum's character is kind of, you don't really get the whole motivation of why that happens exactly. Yeah, it felt like they spent, like, a date together, and then, <laughs> she, was and then like, she just threw herself at him. <laughs> do you know how cute you are? I know, it's like, Gina, you're very pretty, like... <laughs> You don't have to do this. He ha- he sleeps on a fold-out couch. Man. <laughs> you do way better. And I, I don't know if, because uh, I did read up on all of it. Apparently, uh, they were a couple. Really? At the time. Oh, that's kind of hot. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> they were, I like the idea of real-life Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum. Yes. But then I was thinking about it. I was like, that must have been a difficult a difficult like journey to take like as a couple on screen because it goes so badly (laughs) yes yes it does she was kind of she was kind of halfway to like a strong female protagonist but then also just kind of her story revolved around the actions of the male characters Mm -hmm. you know yeah and just the fact that she was such a high level reporter it seemed you know and then she just started hanging out with um, Jeff Goldblum's character, Seth, nonstop. Like, we barely saw her house. The only time we saw her house was to get a gauge on the problematic ex-boyfriend. Right. Um, which, that relationship, I didn't entirely understand either. Because it was so problematic in so many ways. Yes, it was very... Because that, it, it definitely, it, it feels like you're supposed you're supposed to buy into that her ex slash boss really does make this change at a certain point in the film to where he becomes, you know, he's not focused on his jealousy anymore. He's more interested in, like, genuinely taking care of her mm-hmm. and being there for her. But as a woman in the real world, I'm just like, I don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's still a prick. Once a creep, always a creep. Yeah. Yeah, well, he just had so many, like, red flag behaviors during the film, like showing up at her house to take a shower when she's not there, refusing to give back the key. Yes. 
uh, and also the uh, following her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this guy's a real creep. Yeah, especially considering it, it seemed like at least their romantic relationship had ended quite a while ago, mm-hmm. is, is how it sounded. But that, yeah, he was still very possessive, at least in the first half of the film. Yeah, and I see that behavior a lot in 80s films, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure if that's just something that was more like tolerated back then. Right. Or if, like, I don't know. Have we come a long way? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've come, we've come away. I, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think there was more of a tendency in the film in those days to have like that kind of character of the ex that still pines away mm-hmm. for someone and still really tries to be very involved in their in their life. I I don't know. I don't feel like that's that's in films because people do realize like, oh, that is a creepy behavior. Yeah. Yeah. So there really were only like the three main characters in this film. And you saw Gina Davis kind of like ping off of the two male characters, Mm -hmm. which made me really just wish like Gina Davis had a close friend. (laughs) I know. know, Because if you, you think about it, if you were like, if you called up your friend and you're like, oh my God, I met this guy. He's a scientist. I went to his lab in a warehouse. <laughs> he showed me this weird machine. I gave him my stocking. We turned a baboon inside out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he might be the one. Yeah. If you told that to a female friend, she'd be like, maybe you should like take slow it down a little yeah. bit. <laughs> and you should always tell me when you're going over there. <laughs> Gina Davis, you needed friends in this movie. (laughs) Jealousy is a really big... I feel like jealousy itself is a character in this film Mm -hmm. because it motivates so many of the characters. You know, maybe it's just particularly the male characters now that I think about it. Yeah, because that is, uh, you know, with uh, talking about, you know, the way that horror movies use metaphor a lot is I was thinking about pretty much in, in any sort of horror story where somebody turns into a monster... Which mm-hmm. is definitely what happens here. It's an external manifestation of something internal that's wrong with them. And so Jeff Goldblum's character, he makes this incredibly stupid decision mm-hmm. <laughs> to go into the telepods because of jealousy and arrogance. It's just, you know, it, they're always just bringing out the monster that's you don't see. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's... I don't know, depending on your interpretation of, of this movie, what, what that whole transformation is about, I think. Yeah, that first scene where he decides to endanger his life to go forward with the experiment because, ah, oh, Gina Davis left, and I don't know. <laughs> Should I talk to another <laughs> she, boy? She literally was like, I'll be back in a couple hours. <laughs> To be fair, she should have been more descriptive. She had like some beautiful metaphorical statement about like, I gotta scrape something off my shoe. Yeah, yeah. It's like, just say you're gonna go dump your ex for good. Yeah. Like, make everyone feel better. Uh, But yeah, so then Jeff Goldblum freaks out and does that. And like, as I was watching it, I was just like, what? What the hell? Yeah. (laughs) Complete overreaction. Yes. Yeah, that is is one of the, the film's flaws is that that is a very you got to take a big suspension of disbelief to think that anyone would would do that Mm -hmm. also i am not quite sure about how having sex 
led him to the physical, the discovery of how the flesh will be treated differently in the telepod. Like, right. Did you catch that? It just seemed like sex gave him a big light bulb. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was another very, uh, that, that's a very movie cliche where somebody gets this sudden inspiration mm-hmm. to solve like some sort of scientific problem, which is never really, the how that's good is never really articulated. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of those moments where he, he's just like, I have, I, I think his reasoning is he has to make the computer crazy for the flesh. Yeah. That is, <laughs> is basically what, what he says. The number of times everyone said the flesh just made me really uncomfortable. And yeah, and that's a definite Cronenberg <laughs> thing carried mm. over from Videodrome. Mm. And mm-hmm. he's it's it's a it's a very weird theme for a director to have, but that's definitely one for him. <laughs> Making people uncomfortable sexually. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, Gina Davis in that role of being the supportive person, like, there was that scene in the coffee shop where Mm -hmm. um, Seth is going on and on about his work and himself and eating all the sugar, and I just couldn't help but feel like that was such a great analogy with, like, comedians and cocaine. (laughs) I'm the best, man. Yeah. I'm going to get an HBO special. And he's just like, you don't even know my vision, man. Yeah. I'm just like, I have been in that chair a lot. <laughs> like, you just smile and nod at someone. Like, mm-hmm. What it made me think of is, uh, was another, like, talking about how um, I, I relate to this movie. One is, from the perspective of Gina Davis' character, when you just start a really intense relationship with someone... And then it's really intense in the beginning. And then very quickly, they like do or say something where you have the switch and you realize, oh my God, this person isn't really interesting and different. They're just fucking crazy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like that has happened to me many times with people. And I feel like that scene in the cob is where like you go on the second date with someone and you're like, you're not normal at all. Mm -hmm. I thought that you were, but you just talked about like like spending a thousand dollars on like a healing crystal or something (laughs) that is such a sad feeling yeah like oh there's a fine line between fun and quirky and fucking crazy Mm -hmm. yeah so Seth's jealousy also like is an obsession as well because he wants Mm -hmm. to shove uh Gina Davis's character through the telepod so she can be just as great as him yeah uh, and that's where she stands up for herself. And I was really proud of her that she did that. Yeah, yeah, no, she definitely, and, and that's what I was, is, is yeah, her character, it's, it's a little inconsistent mm-hmm. in that, but it's also, it, it is like, it's love, love makes you, you act weird and, and crazy. And uh, yeah, no, definitely, like, I mean, by the way that he was acting at that point, like, there's no way you would yeah. get anyone in, into that pod. No. But just the way that she can't, even as he's going through the, the whole way through the transformation, like she keeps coming back to him. Like she can't entirely disengage herself from, you know, just remembering the, the charming, you know, weird, quirky scientist he was when they, when they first met at the cocktail party. Yeah. And, 
And in that way, I feel like it was a really good metaphor for domestic abuse, actually. Because mm-hmm. this man is awful, but like you know something about him that does keep pulling you back. And you love him. And if only you could separate out this area. And I feel like it was that metaphor because she did keep coming back. Because otherwise, you know, if someone is awful and threatening you you just fucking leave you know yeah well no and there is that one point where he is very frightening but then there's that one time where she comes to see him and he's like you have to leave because i'll hurt you and i don't want to hurt you and i feel like that is very classic abuser kind of behavior of trying to you know seem noble Mm -hmm. totally while still having terrible intentions Ah, yeah. One of my favorite scenes in this movie was actually after they had the big fight and he takes off without a shirt on. Yes, with just, just jacket. the jacket. And then they're playing this very dramatic music and he's eating a candy bar as he's walking down the street. Like, mm-hmm. fuck this man. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Eating his payday. And I just laughed so hard. <laughs> like, this is so bizarre. Like, yes. And then um, my other favorite extension of the scene is he gets to the um, arm wrestling mm-hmm. thing, but the guys who are arm wrestling, like the way they wrote them was so funny because they're like these rowdy bar guys mm-hmm. and they're like, hey, you're disturbing us. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? <laughs> and then they have their arm wrestling match, which mm-hmm. was just such a big testosterone festival. Yeah, no, that, that is also a very upsetting like I, I get if you haven't I don't I don't know if you had seen the film before I hadn't actually okay this is maybe the most disgusting film put out by like a Hollywood studio oh really <laughs> ever like I don't I don't know I I still I still enjoy like I kind of like like I said I like these kind of movies I think it's very gross and then yeah which what seems like is a normal scene and the arm wrestling, you know, somewhat normal. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have the the compound fracture. <laughs> yeah, the bone poking <laughs> out. With the bone sticking out, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's the thing, too. For it being 1986, it didn't look hokey. No, it was definitely, you could tell, like we were saying, there's only really, like, three main actors. There's very limited different sets. All of the money went into the makeup kind of effects mm-hmm. you can you can tell because they are really good and very very gross so what was especially disturbing to me is the uh the character tawny that he leaves the bar with mm-hmm. okay so this woman just saw him break a man's arm and then she's like oh yeah that guy that broke the arm that doesn't wear a shirt under his jacket yeah i'm going home with him because <laughs> at the t- at that point his face yeah, looked was, really terrible too. Like yeah. he's very clearly not well at all. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what what the motivation of that character could possibly be. I mean, she was talking about, oh, I want to other other than like hardcore drugs, but she was just like, I just want to go out to some more bars and drink. Yeah. Not like, <laughs> not like, yeah, I'll hang out with you if you score me some heroin yeah. or something like that. I could. <laughs> I could see, but she was just like, I'm a fun time gal. (laughs) Who hurt you, Tawny? You need need help. So, I mean, I definitely felt like this was just such a strong metaphor for bad relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess at the time, a lot of people felt it was a metaphor for AIDS as well. Yes. Um, Because he does talk about it in terms of... It's given at the beginning of, like, he has a disease. Like, it's Mm -hmm. diseased him. And um, that's actually when we were before we uh, when I was talking about how 
uh, I have a lot of personal stuff to talk about with this movie. I really relate to both <laughs> of the main characters in this. Um, I have uh, I have Graves' disease, which is a thyroid disorder, and before I was diagnosed, I lost a whole bunch of weight. When I was like 20, I was like a size two. Oh wow! Yeah, so I was really skinny, but I was like, but I was like really hot and like got like all this like local acting work and plays and stuff because because you know I was looking good and you know all this attention and everything. But I was also crazy, <laughs> like not a stable person to be around and like before like they figured out was wrong with me and I had to have surgery and stuff like. I had, like, I was, like, I didn't sleep for, like, almost six days in a row, like, oh, kind wow. of thing. Like, yeah, like, it totally fucked me up. And seeing him go through, where, like, at the beginning, you know, he has this amazing physical transformation mm-hmm. that makes him so much, you know, stronger and more confident and everything. And just relating to that in that you go through this change that, in a way, seems good, but then it turns out that it's actually something that's really wrong with you. And so I, I'm lucky in that I had surgery and I'm on medication, so I'm, I'm fine for the most part. But it still does, I mean, it still affects me a lot and how, how I feel and just, you know, having something going on with your body that you can't, at least in my head, that you can't really see but you don't know is happening and it's affecting you and the way that you treat other people. It's very, it's... It is terrifying. Like, that was a terrifying thing to go through. How long were you living undiagnosed? Uh, well, I had, I had symptoms for pretty much from when I can remember from being a little kid. Like, there's all kinds of weird symptoms that you can have with it. But, uh, so I was kind of just, I had hand tremors and just really low energy, like, my whole life until, uh, until I was like 20 and then had just like terrible chest pains one day and had to go to the hospital and have like this gland had become enlarged that I had to like, uh, have removed and then had an radioactive iodine treatment. And now I'm on, I take medication every day and I have to I go get like regular like blood work done to make sure that's at the right level and everything. So dealing with disease and like how that transforms your body and your behavior and everything is something that I'm very attuned to. And yeah, it sucks. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's not fun, but, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm lucky in that what I deal with is really not that bad compared to, well, sort of a ridiculous story like this, but, yeah. but what a lot of other people, you know, who have chronic diseases have to deal with. Definitely. I'm glad that you got it medicated. And <laughs> Scary in a very different kind of way than like a jump scare or, you know, ghosts or something like that. Something. Definitely. And uh, Mary brought up earlier, I hadn't seen this movie before and I was not expecting what we got at the end. Like, yeah. This movie actually made me feel very sad uh, for the, like quite a while after, and it was because of that that human realness to mm-hmm. it. You know, like it wasn't a monster; it was this person she loved who was being transformed. Who ultimately, you know, he uh, 
and the final scene, you know, where he asks her silently to right. kill him. Like, mm-hmm. oof, yeah. Not exactly like a gotcha horror <laughs> moment, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> More of like, I just want to lay on the floor and cry for a little bit. Yeah, no, it's a very it's a very intense movie. Like, mm-hmm. it retains some of those B movie elements pretty well, but it's yeah, it's not it's not light viewing. No, definitely not. And especially the scene, like near the end, um, before he dies, obviously. But he's trying his last ditch effort is to try and combine all three of them mm-hmm. as the ultimate family. And uh, for me, that felt like so many people, I think, in our mother's generations had the baby to save the family. Yes. You know? Yes. And that really felt like an extension of that or just like a crazy uh, take on that. Like, and, that, and that's another reason why I've always had the feeling of not only do I, I not want to have children that I have to raise, I don't want to get pregnant at all because what, I don't want to be put in a situation where anyone puts that kind of pressure on me mm-hmm. to, you know, maybe have to do that uh, on top of all. So I feel like it would feel gross. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Those are my reasons. I mean, though, like in previous generations, so many women were forced into marriages because mm-hmm. of pregnancy. You know, I, uh, I don't know about that personally. Uh, no, yeah. kind of my parents. <laughs> <laughs> and it definitely, it definitely wasn't a focus or a theme in the movie, but, you know, just given the time that it's made in the mid-80s when you have, a, you know, a female character like Gina Davis who is obviously, suppose, very career-driven, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't have a traditional, uh, you know, love life, uh, let's say, um, you know, someone who's very much kind of, you know, of what, what feminist feminism of that time, you know, was kind of supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the hor- that's, that's her horror is, no, you're trying to force me into this weird family <laughs> when I have this really great life as a high-powered science writer going on. Yeah, uh, I, yeah that's total second wave right there. Nope. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Damn, that should be in some, like, feminist courses. Yeah, no, the more, when I, when I picked this movie, like, the more and more watching it, I was like, it's really, I'm really glad that I picked this one. Mm-hmm. There, there are, are quite a few good things to, to kind of go into here. So what are some of your favorite moments of the film? Or also anything that really made you, like, think back on your own life, too? Uh, well, you know, I didn't have anything as dramatic as uh, my fingernails peeling off. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I definitely, um, when you have surgery, it's gross. I've never had. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, I had cert where they, um, and I, I talk, I talk about all of this in, in my, my act too and everything. Um, so I talk about, I have a, I have a scar that goes all the way across my chest basically from when they did that and, uh, they have to do things like I had, I had drains for that so I had like these weird drains like hanging out of my body oh, wow. <laughs> for a couple days so could you walk or were you just in a bed I mean I was just in a hospital I mean I, yeah. I could walk but I was I was in the hospital for a few days not really doing much so all of the, like kind of the gro- the the real visceral kind of physical changes I could I could relate to on a certain level. What were they which, draining out? 
uh, like fluid, like like pus and blood and. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, it was real. <laughs> it was real gross. Uh, so I definitely I could I could relate to that. Um, what else did I? Oh, I didn't because I I really like Jeff Goldblum. Uh, so I thought it was very funny that he has this he has his lab. But in it, he also has a piano. Just because yeah. Jeff Goldblum is a really good piano player. <laughs> and they're like, let's work that in. He's very let's, charming. Let's, let's put that in there. Yeah, I think that was to, you know, make his character have a little more depth, too. Yes. Because uh, if it was just, like, the sad pull-out couch and uh, science stuff, mm-hmm. like... I don't know if the ladies would stay. <laughs> exactly. They had to make him a little bit of a charmer. Yeah, that uh, medicine cabinet, though, that he kept all his body parts in. Oof. That yeah. Was like, when I first saw it, I was like, is that, oh my God, that's his ear and all his fingernails mm-hmm. and everything that was coming off him, he kept and cataloged. He's a true scientist. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I also, I thought it was just in, so I would think that if you were, if you saw Jeff Goldblum's character in person, the way Gina Davis, she's like the only one who sees him for a long time in his mm-hmm. transformation. Like that would just freak you out. Like you, that might drive you crazy. Just mm-hmm. like how awful of a thing that is to see and how like n- against nature it is. It would be so disturbing to see that. So for me, I was very, I was uh, in the scene where she films him mm-hmm. for the other guy to watch him watching the video of of a brundlefly like eating like throwing up and eating the donuts that was just a very relatable moment to me of like what if you were just regular joe schmo yeah <laughs> and all of a sudden you're confronted with this monster yeah. that's that's actually real that's a i don't know that's just an interesting moment uh to me in that it's a li- it's a little comedic because th- you just get like his reaction shot mm-hmm. <laughs> of seeing that <laughs> and he's just like Holy shit. Yeah. It also makes you wonder, like, Gina Davis's character is going to have a hard time moving on and trusting and yeah. dating. <laughs> I think, the, yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> I'm so, that's sad that, that that is so amusing, but I'm just, imagine her, you know, six months later, well, I'm trying to get back in the dating game. <laughs> yeah. I know that not all scientists are going to turn into monsters created by their own technology, yeah. but it just really feels like it. <laughs> Speaking of which, the technology in the film, I absolutely love too. Like I love, I love 80s technology mm-hmm. and like how everything looks like it's created on somehow like the screen that is also used for alarm clocks. Yeah. You know, the weird square letters and all that and like talking to the computer. Exactly. I, I was going to say that, yeah, where he has like he built like this voice activated system where it's like not even like Surrey really works yeah. <laughs> still, but exactly. he was able to, to do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other uh, moments that jumped out at you? Well, I mean, definitely uh, one thing that I, I love, I love the batshit insane things that Cronenberg does even though I'm not usually, I'm not usually drawn to gore for some reason. His work and uh, like the thing, mm-hmm. I love that kind of stuff. So the really just over the top gore moments for me 
I I enjoyed like the uh, the the baboon inside out creature, which is which is so upsetting, but but amazing. And then at the at the end where he like comes out of his own skin into like the final stage of the creature that like that that to me was just amazing the way that they accomplished that and and how it looked and everything so i don't i don't know why that's a i don't know if i want to understand that part of me <laughs> that thing that that's like really cool and i'm like yeah high five on that but <laughs> i got i gotta admit it i love that mm-hmm. no it was fun to watch and it did. It took me through a lot more different emotions than most horror, and the gore was actually something that I could watch. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the torture porn type movies, I don't like, and I'll look at Facebook on my phone while the, like really gory things are happening. Yeah. But this, it did really feel more like a scientific transformation. You kind of wanted to see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's definitely his mo and his other movies. Videodrome Naked Lunch, like, he has, he has a very particular style that, I don't, I don't know, he's one of those directors that's just like, you got me, <laughs> I will, I will give pretty much anything you do a shot. <laughs> Dedicated fan. Yes. Sweet. Well, any final thoughts? Well, watching the movie after a long period of time, I was, I was really struck by how intense it still was like as as a film experience watching i definitely remembered that it was that it was really gross <laughs> i remembered mm-hmm. that that there was a lot of gore and that the transformation is really detailed and everything but like you said the other elements of the story that give it that give it weight are that even though like we said <clears throat> gina davis's character is a little inconsistent you are still invested in their relationship mm-hmm. that these two characters have with each other and that's why that final moment does have the impact of like oh i don't feel good about this yeah. <laughs> about anything that's happened here mm-hmm. yeah i always uh, identified with the gina davis character and the you know not wanting to have kids and you know m- <laughs> falling in love with a guy and then realizing that he's a monster mm-hmm. like definitely related to that but viewing it now after being diagnosed and you know having my own medical things I was not expecting to relate to Jeff Goldblum's character mm-hmm. but <laughs> but there it was you have a very multifaceted attachment with this film now. I do I do it's very personal for me mm-hmm. that was a great movie I'm glad you picked it because I feel the thing I love most about this podcast is that so many of these movies that my guests love, I haven't seen. So mm-hmm. it's a really great way to like share that with them. Awesome. Well, this has been really fun. Thank you for coming and doing the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And uh, if you're in Chicago, make sure you check out Mary Jordan out and about town. She'll be doing some shows coming up. And she's hilarious. You'll love her, I promise. Uh, that's been Mary Jordan. I'm Kristen Ryan. And this has been Bloody Mary. Have a good night.